I thought I was lost, but then I realized I was on an adventure finding myself. Do you know an organization that is looking for a keynote speaker, retreat speaker, or workshop host? You can contact me at meredithsigget at gmail.com for more information. I am currently booking speaking engagements for 2022. Welcome back to the Finding Myself podcast. I am Meredith Sigget, your host here at this podcast. And I know I always say this, that I've got a great guest, but for all of you, you know who I'm talking about. It is Dr. Kelly Waltman. Dr. Kelly has been on the podcast more than anyone else, but this time, this episode is all about Kelly. This is the first time it's happening. Hey, Kelly, how are you doing? Hi, Meredith. I am fantastic, and it's so fun to be back on the show, and uh, I, it, I'm i just so honored that not only to be back on the show, but that you've had me on as the most frequent guest. That's just, that makes me so happy. That makes my uh, my heart sing. Um, I love when we can get together and talk and um, and just share, and so this is, this is a lot of fun for me. So thank you so much for having me back. I love having you on the podcast. Because I, I mean, you and I talk, uh, we have, you know, coffee talk and catch up on things, but we also have some really great conversation about topics uh, through the book group, just through our own interest. So I, I just really enjoy talking with you. So being able to record it and put it out there for others to hear, I think is amazing. Yeah, it's, it, it is always a treat when you and I can get together and it's funny, we might go weeks and weeks um you know it might end up being a month or so before we have a chance to connect but it's like no time at all we just pick right back up and uh yeah some of just the most profound conversations that i've had over the last couple of years have been with you um and that could be because we're talking about some big life thing or we could just be talking about something so simple and it just blossoms into this bigger conversation and these aha moments and it's just so much fun so i'm so thankful for our friendship oh me too and i completely agree with you because so many times you and i have talked about something and it's like come back full circle in a whole different way and we look at each other like this was just what we were talking about (laughs) absolutely it is amazing but i in preparing for this episode i've thought about it you have shared about what you're up to and you've shared bits and pieces, but I've never done an episode where it is about you. <laughs> I don't know how we got this far without doing that. Probably because I don't really like talking about myself all that much. <laughs> I'd rather talk about the books and, and the other things that we talk about. Um, yeah, that's that's probably how I've, we've, we've squeaked by this this long. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do have a lot in common and, of, of course, books. We are uh, a big lover of books. And a sel- our, I call myself a self-development geek. Um, and you like those topics, too. So we do have a lot in common as far as um, what we're looking for and interested in. 
Yes, absolutely. That was was how we initially came together and bonded. Exactly. All for the books. So I know we're going to get into, normally I, you know, start out and say, hey, you know, fill us in on what you've been up to. But we're going to get to that. So I I don't, I'm going to tease it for our listeners to listen all the way through so they can hear what you're up to and and really get into um, what what you're working on and promoting right now because it's it's just amazing. It's awesome. I've loved to be on the sideline sidelines watching you do this. So, but we'll get into that. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. But I thought this would be a great opportunity for the listeners to get to know you a little better, but also in a context of sharing with our listeners, because uh, you do have a lot to share and a lot of inspiration. So I'm hoping to pull that out today for our listeners. So I was thinking, I'm really curious because you and I just met within the last couple years. We are the same age. So we, there's a lot of things that we talk about that we're right there because it was our time. Um, But I don't really know the younger Kelly. Um, I know kind of your resume, but I don't necessarily know how that all played out. So I thought that I would take us back to 25-year-old Kelly and let us know what 25-year-old Kelly was all about. Wow. Yeah, 25-year-old Kelly. I mean, that was only like three years ago. Um <laughs> Yes, yes, you're right. right. Unfortunately, I, uh, I can't claim that. Everyone knows how old I am. Yeah, well, and you've already shared that we're the same age, so it's all good. <laughs> and I'm actually, I'm proud of my age. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. There are so many things that are similar and so many things that are so different. Um, you know, and I think back to, to myself at, at age 25 and you know, interestingly, even though I was so young, I felt like I was so old already. And I was, I was always like this as a, as a teenager, as a young adult. And I don't know why, but I was in such a hurry to grow up. Mm-hmm. I was in such a rush to get to that next stage to, you know, to get married, to settle down, to have the career, to do the things and and to be a grown up. And it's funny because now, uh, you know, I have friends who are in their mid to late twenties and, and they are taking their time and they are living their lives and gaining the experiences and doing the things. And, um, I, I don't know why I was in such a hurry to grow up, but I really was. And I was always like that all through high school and college. And, um, so I was, I was, I was married. I was, um, not far off from having my first child and, um, I was settled into a career, what I thought was going to be the career. Um, and yeah, I was, it was in such a hurry to have it all figured out. Um, and I won't, I wouldn't say that I would change anything in terms of the choices I made in the trajectory I was on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of it because it was, 
it's been an amazing journey and it's all led me to where I am today. Um, but I would probably tell my 25 year old self just to slow down and enjoy the ride a little more. Like there's time for life to unfold itself. Um, and yeah, not to take it all so seriously and not to try and figure it all out because there might be some things that go according to plan, but there's going to be a whole host of things that life is going to throw you some pretty significant curveballs. Um, and so trying to have it all planned out and figured out um, is just a surefire way for life to laugh at you, really. <laughs> Which a lot of what you're saying resonates with me because I uh, typically said I hit my professional peak at 19 and I have yet to reach that level again. Um, and it's like, wow, I like it was all down. It was all downhill after 19 professional for me. <laughs> and I still have many more professional years. But yeah, I was one too that really kept pushing for the next level. What's next and, and keep going. Um, you use the word, you know, plan. Everyone knows I'm a huge planner and having those goals and dreams and just keep moving forward at a speed, uh, the highest speed you can go. So that, you know, that's interesting that you, you say that. Where were the dreams and the goals that you had at that age? Yeah, so at that point, I was, I was, either I had just started or I was into, um, I guess was just starting my master's. So I knew I wanted to continue education. I'd always been um, a, a big lover of school and education. And so I was continuing my education. I was just starting my master's. Um, and and the seed to go back from my PhD was just getting planted as I was, you know, just beginning that master's work. Um, and so I knew I wanted to continue my education and I, I started to have that dream of possibly going back for my PhD. Um, and I knew I wanted to teach. I knew I wanted to use my master's to teach. Um, and that's one of those, it's interesting when I think about the the journey of my life and, and the dreams that have, the one dream that has always kind of persisted for me is I've always been that educator at heart. You know, when I was in, when I was in high school, I was in Future Teachers of America. I was going to be a teacher. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and that, the way that has manifested itself has has been different throughout my career. But that, I would say that's the one thread that has just always been there um, in some capacity. I've either been a trainer or a teacher, or an educator. Um, that's always been there. And so that was, that was present then. That continues to be present now. Um, Which I'm, and, I'm right yeah. in saying you don't have a degree in teaching. No, I do not. Ironically, I, I that's what I, my first uh, major when I went to undergrad was elementary education. That's, I was going to be in elementary education. Um, I was going to be a teacher. And then I freaked out my freshman year because I thought that meant I was going to be in the same classroom for 30 years teaching the same thing. And I freaked out. And so I went the complete other direction and went as vague as you can get. And I became a psych major. <laughs> okay. 
But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my my degrees are psychology, and then uh, both my graduate degrees are in uh, criminal justice. So yeah, even though I don't have an education degree, I've always though in some facet um, either been a trainer or as I've taught in higher ed, it's been in in uh, criminal justice programs and now in uh, leadership courses. And as it's kind of a little bit of, you know, the counselor in me and definitely working with kids at an age where they're thinking about careers, that you can blend your interests and that might be where your sweet spot is. Uh, You know, you understood like teaching and being up in front of uh, people or a person and helping them, guiding them was a passion or something that has called you, but you didn't have to be an elementary ed teacher to do that. So I, I love when people can can just really go with where their strengths and interests are in the different fields without thinking it has to be done one way and there is only one way to do it. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think that that's so true with just success in general. Yeah, I think we, at least for me, this was true. Um, I don't think I'm alone. For the longest time, I I bought into this idea that there's one measure of success. You know, there's one there's one path for, and there's one meaning and measure for what it means to be quote unquote successful. And if you don't do life by this prescribed by these prescribed terms, then you've somehow failed or it's not what it means to be traditionally successful. And um, it's funny because if you, from the outside looking in, if you'll be like, what do you mean you're not successful? Like, you know, but, but it's so easy, I think, to judge ourselves and be so self-critical and think, okay, there's this one path and this is the one path that is, you know, that I'm meant to go on. And if I don't do that, that I haven't been a success or my life hasn't had the meaning that I thought it meant to have. And, and you're absolutely right. For the longest time I thought to be an educator, I thought it meant this one thing. And what I realized is no, there's so many different ways to manifest that passion and that skill set um, that doesn't have to be just this one way. And, um, and that's really liberating and really exciting. Um, and that opens up so many possibilities. Yes. And it's interesting that you, you just said what you did. And I'm going, going to totally botch this. So I'm kind of trying to do a quick Google here. But our November book, um, is it Stop Playing It Small? Oh, Quit here we go. Small. Yep. yep. Quit Playing Small. Um, oh, Kelly, help me out with the name. Um Ahanya? Alana Angel. Alana yes. Angel. Alana Angel. Um, just in the intro of the book, it talks about this exact topic mm-hmm. about parents who, the, the, the kind of what our generation, the parents, our parents said on how you need to proceed by doing A, B, C, and D. And one of those is that you find a job and you stay with that job for 30 years. Exactly. 
And that was what older generations have done. They Their first job was also their last job. And they stayed till retirement. And that was success. That was stability. That is what you needed. We, as a generation, are not doing that. And the generations that are younger than us are really not doing that. They're using their interests, their skills, their knowledge so much better than than we are, but we're learning from them on how we can capitalize on the resources and the trends and our interests and our skills. Um, you've done a lot of twisting and turning or what we call pivoting. And I think that has, um, from the outside, I see that it served you well. Thanks. I, I, I hope so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess for me, I mean, I, look, I've always been intentional about making a decision and I've certainly done cost benefit analysis. And I, anytime I have to make, um, a big life decision, I've been very intentional about that. I don't just leap and figure it out later completely, but I have always been wired to, okay, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to analyze the situation. I'm going to do the pros and cons, the cost benefit, but then I'm ultimately going to listen to my gut and know that I can figure it out. And almost no decision is going to be so significant that you can't change course along the way when you need to, you know, um, whether it's the job or, you know, whether it was, um, you know, personal decision to when my, my husband and I separated and divorced, you know, to, I mean, you name it, I've, I've yeah, had to make almost all the big life decisions. And um, again, you, you gather the information, you make the best decision that you can make, but ultimately know, again, that you can figure it out along the way and, and almost no decision is going to be so <laughs> significant that you can't fix it or, you know, just, I don't know. I, I'm not finding the right words to say exactly what I want to say, but I think, um, I guess I just haven't been afraid to take the risk. You know, it's always been a calculated risk, but I've been willing to take the risk because I've, I trust my gut and I trust my intuition. Um, and I feel like I can, you know, make the, the best decision and move forward. Um, even when they're really big decisions and scary decisions. Which I, I think it's interesting you're presenting this, that there's a risk, it's worth taking, and you've looked into this risk ahead of time to understand it and know what you're getting yourself into. I think that definitely plays into the planner that we've mm-hmm. talked about. And I also think about you know the, the younger generations, the millennials, that I'm not sure that they're looking at the calculation, but they're having the faith to take the leap and we'll figure it out. Right. Not that I have to have it figured out ahead of time or that I really need to look into it, but I'm gonna take the leap and have faith that when I need to, I will figure it out. 
But, you know, when I remember you and I having multiple conversations when I was at the point where I was considering leaving a full-time job and pursuing the consulting business on, on a full-time basis. And, um, you know, this, that's, a I think, the perfect example of taking a look at the, the full spectrum of the issue, you know, the pros and cons, the potential pitfalls, um, and, but say, okay, you know, I have this safety net here for X number of months. I know I can make this work with my safety net. And if it doesn't work after X number of months, then I'll find a job. I'll figure it out. I'll make it work. So it was still a leap of faith. Absolutely. I mean, I had to take the leap. I was leaving a good full-time job. Um, and so it was a leap, but at the same time, it didn't feel it wasn't going to be the end of the world. If it didn't work out, it wasn't going to be the end of the world. I knew that, that I could figure it out and things would work out. Um, and just had to trust the gut and the instinct that yes, it was the right thing to do, but I was also being smart about it and making sure that there were things in place, um, you know, to fall back on. And so I think it's that it is that, that balance of, you don't just, especially when you have a family. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. That it, it takes on a yeah. different context when you have a household, not just yourself, to yes. to keep going. Uh, you know, if you were just single and decided to pick up and go to a different state and try a career, you could do it and figure it out and possibly get a side job that would get you funds. But when you have a household that you're taking care of, you know, responsibilities, you just have an extra layer of, I got to make this work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this, it's this double-edged sword. I don't want to say the burden of a family because that burden has a negative connotation, but there's a reality there. You know, it is this, you know, it's a responsibility, I guess, is maybe the better way to say that. But it's this double-edged sword on one hand, you're absolutely right. When you have a mortgage, when you have children who are relying on you to feed them and clothe them, yeah. <laughs> you know, that is, you have a responsibility to be able to provide for them, but you also have a responsibility to show them what it means to live your life without compromise and to live your life to the fullest and to pursue your dreams and to not settle for okay. And so it is that responsibility to set the example and to set the bar high and to show them that you can live out your dreams. And hey, you might fail. You might have to, you might fall down and you might have to say, okay, that didn't work. So now we're going to shift and we're going to do this. But you know what? I gave it a go. Oh, and I tried and I did my best and I didn't settle for, well, that's okay. That's good enough. You know? Um, so I think it, there is that duality there and it's, you know, as parents, as role models, you're constantly skating that, that divide um, and just figuring it out as you go. Yeah. But I, I do, I agree with you about being that role model to your kids too, there is so much that we are able to pass on to them that we try to hide from them or not think about really letting them in on. Not that we're hiding it, but we're also not advertising it to them. And making a job change, either because it's wanted or needed or it was put upon you, that 
can and will happen to them. Why not show them what to do when it comes up if there is a failure? I, I get that there are negative feelings around a failure or feeling like it was a failure, but there's so much to learn from that and to show your children that I got knocked down, but this is how I get back up. Exactly. I mean, that those are powerful life moments that you can give to your children and will be so meaningful to them as they move forward. No, that's absolutely right. You know, and that's so much of what Carol Dweck talks about in mindset is that exactly that, exactly what you just said, you know, being willing to, to take a risk to, to try and to fail and then just to work hard and learn from it. Um, and if we can give that gift of that growth mindset to our children, that's one of the best gifts we can give. Um, you know, being able to embrace that, um, that's huge. And so, yeah, I think that that's, that's what we need to do in in our role, both for children, for significant others, for friends, you know, it's awesome having peers like, you know, the, the friendship that we have, um, to bounce those ideas off of support one another, encourage one another, and know that no matter what, like, we got each other's back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, having, having a tribe like that, um, is, is huge as well. That's, that's a key piece for sure. Yeah. And I definitely think showing, going off of what you said of, sh- of showing our kids the gifts that we have, the skills, the interests, and what we can do with them. Much like, you know, that traditional thinking of, I want to teach, therefore I'm going to be an elementary ed major. This is how you do it. It doesn't have to be that way, that you can say, you like to teach, you don't want to be in a classroom. What are other careers that use the aspect of teaching that you like? And it starts to open up that world more and to get out of that just linear thinking of this is this is what a job is, this is what we do, and we fall in line. And yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. And, and definitely, as I say, we're ever-evolving people, and we don't need to ignore that and stuff that down. But bring it to the surface, acknowledge it, and let it shine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's... I, I love that you say that. And it reminds me of a conversation I was having recently and somebody was asking, you know, what, what our three kids will end up wanting to to be, you know, what job they'll have. And, and the youngest is 12. And I said, he might have a job that hasn't even been invented yet. Yep. Like we, we have no idea what the career options will be you know, for somebody who's currently 12 years old, because if you, you would have thought, you know, 10 years ago about some of the technologies we have, the the options we have, like the, it just didn't even exist. And so I think you're right, this idea that, and this is true for our kids, and this is true for us as we're maybe figuring out what we want to be when we grow up, you know, there's tapping into our passions and our underlying skill set 
that thing that we got excited about when we were a kid, that whatever that is at the core of that, but then realizing that the way we manifest that in our actual work, how we choose to make a living can be so different and we can think outside the box. Um, and so I, I think there is something to zeroing in on what brings you the joy and, and lights you up and challenges you and excites you and brings you energy. And then, okay, where do you go from there? Rather than trying to think of what's the job I'm going to have and, um, and narrowing our kids and narrowing ourselves into being defined in such a, in such small terms. Yes, I, I completely agree. And I try to instill in my students just what you said about jobs. I ask them, um, who knows what a telephone operator is? <laughs> and they all try to guess, obviously, that, you know, two words that they can kind of figure out, but they have no concept of what a telephone operator is. And I, you and I both have spoken to a telephone operator, but I don't know if there is even one in the United States anymore. Right. Uh, so that is an obsolete job. But back in my day, the you know a web page designer that wasn't a and a job. I had web page those two words together did not go together. Um, so there, there are jobs and opportunities uh, and ways to be creative with your career that weren't around when I was coming up with careers. And there's going to be even more before our children get into the career place. And then it'll just continue to grow exponentially. Uh, which I think is absolutely amazing and just can show our young people how limitless their options are. That's right. Yeah, completely agree. And I, well, I say to show our children, I also feel very inspired. Yes, I am not at the beginning of my career, but I don't have to be at the beginning of my career to figure things out or make a shift or make something happen. Um, and you've been in this place of making something happen and seeing it through and, and getting it done. Um, so I'd love to talk about that. I want to hear more. So Kelly, this is your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so... I'm, I'm guessing you're referring to the book. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, you know, that's been a dream of mine for a long time, too. Um, I get the love of books from my mother, um, without a doubt. She just is has always been an avid reader, continues to be an avid reader to this day. And um, I have been the same way. I just, I can't get enough. Um, and so I knew that that was something I wanted to cross off my list. That was a bucket list item was to, to write a book. Um, and then as I've been doing the consulting work that really started to solidify for me what that meant, because for the longest time it was like, Oh, I'd love to write a book someday. I'd love to write a book someday. I had no idea really what that meant. Um, I, and so it wasn't until really digging into the consulting work that that started to take shape for me. 
what that could mean and what the content could be. Um, and it's been a really interesting process and I've learned so much along the way, um, just about everything when it comes to, to writing a book. Um, and it's been a really fascinating journey and, um, I've loved every second of it. Well, maybe not every second. I've loved <laughs> in totality. I've loved the experience. And uh, yeah, I absolutely plan to write another. Um, that was the one thing that really blossomed for me as I was writing that I was surprised at how quickly I thought, this is really fun. I want to do this again. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, for me, it's just as much a, a selfish, selfish exercise to to get it done and put it out into the world as it is about <laughs> helping anybody else. <laughs> yeah, selfishly, yeah. Um, but but I'm excited that it's 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 out there in the world. I imagine it to be like running a marathon. That there are some of us who just have this dream that someday I'm going to run a marathon. Someday I'm going to run it. And I might start to do some training or prep for it, but then things kind of get in the way and then I get a little bit more serious and do some more training and prep for it and kind of check into how to do it and, you know, make myself look good with the right equipment for it, talk the lingo. But at some point, I've got to put the shoe to the pavement and then that marathon, you know, you start off like, I'm doing this. I got this. I'm good. And then at some point, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing this. Am I sure I'm doing this? And you have all those emotions while you go through. You feel different things. You have to try different things while you're running it. And then to get to the end, it's not really about... It's, how do I say this? It's more the accomplishment than the accolade. It's right. the, the proving to yourself that, wow, I got through this and that was amazing. And yeah. I, I think that you're a runner. So I, I was like, this kind of works. <laughs> am I am I on track? I've never run a marathon. I'm that person who says, gosh, I kind of have that like hidden bucket list item of running a marathon. It's never going to happen, but. Don't say that, Meredith. We'll be uh, lacing up your shoes here. Well, we can we can make that happen. <laughs> never say okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. There's a nice local race every November. It's actually coming up this weekend. We could have you ready next year at this time. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but am I right with a, a book related no, that's, to that's marathon? Great. Yeah, no, it's a great analogy, especially um, it's so easy, I think, to get caught up in the, for a lot of people, um, to get caught up in the trappings of it. So like you said, it's very easy to, you know, oh, I'm going to, you know, you, you research the races and you find one that you like and you buy all the gear and you, you talk about it a lot and, you know, you, you kind of do some of the things. And um, it really, though, is about putting in the work. And like you said, trudging through those, 
those hard miles where it can just feel arduous, but you just keep putting one foot front in front of the other. And, you know, the interesting thing for me, the, the writing part was actually really easy. Um, and that didn't feel, I expected that to feel like mile 20 of a marathon. Um, and it really didn't, that part was a lot of fun, um, more fun than I expected it to be. It was really, yeah, it was really fun. Um, it was all the other stuff that felt like mild, like 20 to 23 (laughs) (laughs) that felt very tedious, you know, all the work leading up to the actual writing, um, you know, all of the, I mean, I love research, but some of that gets tedious and, um, and then just all the details with the editing and the, you know, like all of that stuff felt, you know, was felt like more like the hard work, but you're absolutely right that it is, it's a marathon in the sense that it is this long process um, and it takes time and you really have to look at it that way as a marathon and not a sprint. Um, And just like, you know, with getting my doctorate, I tell people, you don't have to be all that smart. You just have to be really stubborn. Um, And I would say the same is true about writing the book Mm -hmm. and running a marathon. It really is more about keeping that goal in, in the forefront of your mind and being persistent and, and seeing through the hard times for sure. Yeah. And your book, so it's Elevate Connection, Cultivating an an Engaged, Inspired, Productive, and Profitable Team Culture. Yes. Which I, for me, has taken on a different meaning. When, you know, I I knew about your book and I've, you know, promoted your book, I kind of looked at it very much in a business sense, which I, I don't function in a, a business sense, but that those two words, team culture, has really stuck out to me and more specifically during this pandemic to want to come together, to rely on each other, to support each other, and to have that team that is going to help you get through it it just it, it it's just the pandemic it means something different than just making our quarterly sales right yeah and and you know I say in the book that when I say profitable I mean certainly for a for-profit entity that means yes earning more money but even in nonprofits you still have a bottom line that you're responsible for. You have resources that you are expected to be good stewards of. And so when you're talking about being profitable, it's not just about for those for-profit entities that you're making more money. It's about being, like I said, being good stewards of your resources and um, just being really responsible for the totality of the experience within the workplace setting, whether it's for profit or nonprofit. Um, And education certainly would fall into that, that nonprofit sector. Um, You still have to be responsible. You still have to, (laughs) you know, be mindful of how your, your team is spending their day and how, yes, productivity is part of that, but it's beyond just that. It's, you know, as, as I talk about in the book, when 
people feel more connected to the mission of the organization, when they're more connected to leadership and they're more connected to one another, the research literally shows that they are more inspired, they're happier, they um, feel more engaged, and overall, it's just a much better team experience, a much better place to be, and um, a better place to work. And people feel more invigorated. You know, they're actually excited to come to work. And so it doesn't matter whether you're in a for-profit entity or not. I think everybody wants that type of experience when they when they show up at work every day. And I can't think of one person who works solo and doesn't engage with anyone because you can even be part of your team with your customers. Mm-hmm. You you need to be able to communicate and engage with them so that you have customers. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that connection to the bigger picture of the work you're doing, the connection to the why, the you know, that when I say connection to the mission, I mean, yes, of course, that can mean mission statement, but really we're talking about the the true why of what you do, you know, that, that real essence. Um, being connected to that, yes, for sure, for yourself, when you feel more connected to that, you're more energized, your team members... But yes, your customers are going to be more excited about engaging with you if they are feeling that connection to your to your purpose, to your why, um, than if they're not. So yeah, that certainly translates. Yeah. So what like what's the secret in the book? If you can give it away to us, or at least tease us about your book. I you know the really at the core of it and there's a chapter on this, but really at the core of it is elevating connection as a priority, being very intentional about connecting with your team members and yes, helping them feel connected to your mission and, and connected to one another. But if nothing else, if you just think, okay, I'm going to be in as a leader, whether it's a business owner or a manager or whatever, but you know, I'm going to be intentional about connecting with my my people. I'm gonna be intentional about making the time, putting forth the effort and genuinely connecting with them. It's gonna be a better place. It's, you're, they're gonna be happier, you're gonna be happier. More work is gonna get done. Um, and all the other things, the ripple effects that come from that. Um, so that's the simplest way. <laughs> Obviously the book goes into yeah. more nuance and it goes into tools on how to do that, how to elevate connection. Um, but it, at the end of the day, at the heart of it all, that's what we really want. We all want to feel connected. We all want to feel tethered to something. And if you're not inspiring that sense of connection with the people that you work with, you're missing out. I've got to imagine that the open door policy isn't the solution. It's not the silver bullet. Well, I've got an open door policy. I'm connected. That just doesn't cut yeah. it anymore, does it? No, and it's funny because I will. I'll I'll ask leaders. So, what's your like, what's your approach to feedback? And oh, I have an open door policy. Okay. 
So how often are people actually coming to you with feedback? <laughs> you know, it's it's great to say to have an open door policy and it's great to to genuinely mean that, but that's not enough. You know, that it really isn't. We have to be I use this word intentional a lot. Probably I need to find a new word, but it's the best word that I can <laughs> think of. We have to be intentional. You have to be intentional about asking for feedback. You have to be intentional about giving it, about communicating with your team members about connection. Like it, it's not going to just happen. These things don't just happen. And, uh, you know, that's what you know, I say. Workplace culture doesn't occur by happenstance, you know, and you really have to be intentional about cultivating it and, and making it happen um, or else you're going to lose people. So what do you say to those leaders who are like, well, if they've got a question, they should just come to me. If there's an issue, they should be saying something. And putting the onus on all the people that work for them is they know what to do. They're adults. I've hired them for a reason. Right. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, and and you're right, it's great to get to a team dynamic where Yes, team members should be coming to you if there's an issue, but if you haven't done the groundwork and set the foundation for them to feel comfortable doing so, then they're not going to, um, and it's still a two-way street. So yes, I would agree. Team members have responsibility to bring up issues and to um, come to you with, with that information, but you need to also be requesting it. You need to be soliciting it. Um, and again, and and giving that feedback. And you can't underestimate the importance of making sure you've actually created an environment where people feel that psychological safety, they feel comfortable coming to you. Uh, You know, leaders should think to themselves, okay, so if somebody does come to me, how do I normally respond? What's my normal response to that situation? Um, And if it's not great, maybe that's why people have stopped coming to you. <laughs> and um, and again, you have to really, I do feel like there's more responsibility on the leader to ask those questions, to ask them in a way that is going to genuinely solicit the information that you need people to share um, and to, to do the tough work to make space for those conversations. Which I I think about, so we're using the word team. We're also using the word leader. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like the leader is over the team. They manage the team. So the team needs to go to them. But really, if I'm hearing you correctly, the leader needs to be in the work with the team. To, to understand and to create the communication and, and probably not just communication, but effective communication. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's for sure <laughs> a key piece. It's if you're having toxic communication, um, that can be worse than no communication. Um, so certainly Yes, there needs to be communication, but it needs to be a healthy, open dialogue. And, um, you know, 
organizational charts are fine and having a hierarchy is fine. And, you know, we don't need to debate the merits of the, the flat org chart versus, you know, the pyramid, like whatever. Um, you know, at the end of the day, yes, somebody needs to be the boss. Somebody needs to have the final say and make decisions and, and all of those things and be responsible. Um, but when it comes to communication, yes, I am a big proponent in it's not about this hierarchy. It is about having a healthy, open dialogue at and between all levels in the organizational chart. And so leaders should absolutely be in there having communication with their team, receiving that feedback and communication from their team. Um, and it, should, it shouldn't be about hierarchy. It should just be about what's in the best interest of this team, what's in the best interest of getting the work done in the most productive way, um, and, and honestly, it respectful dialogue should be happening between all levels. And so, um, yeah, so I, I think that it's not about being the leader and, and, and lording over your team and, you know, having these divine proclamations that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's more about being together and yes, being on the same level in that sense when it comes to, to healthy dialogue. And I, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh gosh, my questions are actually from my own personal bias and experience in what, you know, my kind of imagery while we're talking about this, um, I'm bringing up past experiences. Right. Yeah, um, I w- wasn't realizing that one, but yes. Oh, gosh, we're going to have to end up having a therapy session after this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am also coming up, it's it's funny, I'm bringing up an example, a positive one. When I tempt uh, before I went to my first grad program in an architecture firm, and the partner that was at my location was out on the floor with all of us and he actually would come up to me and ask me my opinion on things. Of course, it, it wasn't on architecture drawings or anything, but things that I could have a, a, a an opinion on and I was just like, I'm just a temp, why are you asking me? But he, you know, was, was um, really trying to work at cultivating the team and having an inclusive environment where everyone had a voice that was valued. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think so much at the heart of this is understanding that when it comes to being a manager, when it comes to being a leader, this old archaic image of like the, the traditional manager just doesn't really work anymore. And it's more about Yes, again, like somebody is going to have to have make the tough decisions at the end of the day. But most of the time, it's about leading your team, shepherding, being a coach, being, you know, that that voice for them. And I love what uh, Michael Bungay Stanier talks about in, well, The Coaching Habit is one of his books. It's fantastic. But then he talks about this in The Advice Trap. And he says, when it comes to leaders feeling like they have to have all the answers, you know, they have to be in charge. They have to have all the answers as pressure. 
rather than be feeling the pressure to be the person with all the answers, how about you be the person who asks the right questions, mm. you know? And that's where, for me, that's so much about where it's at. It's like, yes, of course, as, as your leader, I should be giving you constructive feedback. We should be talking through that. But when it comes to working together through things as a team and on a project and figuring things out, and as I'm coaching and mentoring you, it's not about me having all the answers. It's about asking the right questions and asking good questions. And just like that architect coming to you and asking you good questions, um, that's where the really good work is going to get done, not by me being this leader who thinks I have all the answers because I don't. It's just not possible. Yeah. Oh, that's, that is amazing. I, again, I have another uh, thought about that. Uh, as a school counselor, we get evaluated, but we get evaluated by people who aren't counselors. And they need to evaluate me based on the counseling theory that I subscribe to and use. And I laugh every time it comes up because I was like, sure, you go ahead and evaluate me on that. Which theory do I subscribe to? But in all honesty, they could come up with good questions to allow me to think about the counseling theory that I subscribe to. They don't have to evaluate the accuracy of the application, but could they evaluate my thoughtfulness in applying the theory I subscribe to? Right. Yeah. Oh, boom, like <laughs> mic drop. That's how I feel. I'm like, gosh, man, who can I tell this to tomorrow? <laughs> I love it. See, this is this is us at our best. Yes, yeah. Bring bringing up these concepts that are so meaningful to move us forward in what we're we're dealing with. And I just want to be vague because I did not sit down for this episode and think that I'd be talking about my evaluation as a school counselor. So, boom. Yes. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, Kelly, you are just amazing to speak to speak with. Um, I, you know, that shows every time that we get on the mic together and when we're off the mic together doing our shenanigans. Um, so I, I thank you so much for all of your support and coming on and sharing so much with my listeners. I know that all of my listeners could benefit from getting Kelly's book, Elevate Connections, because as we saw in our conversation of how that applies to so many areas, um, it really, it, in talking about it and thinking about it, blows my mind because I really had initially thought it was a business book, but no. It really is relevant to everywhere because teams and that concept of teams and effectively connecting with people crosses all areas and boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the concept of 
effectively communicating with one another, um, whether that's a coworker, our partner, our children, whoever, and really focusing on connection and connecting with one another. Yeah, that that translates to every facet of our lives. And those are really just, I think, basic human needs. Those are, those are things that we need um, to feel good and to, to do good in the world. So, yeah. Yes. And listeners, stay tuned because I will be doing a giveaway in the future for Dr. Kelly Waltman's book. So if you are interested, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. So Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on and speaking today. I can't wait to see all the wonderful things that happen with this book. Um, So please keep me and my listeners up to date on what's going on. When you have that second book, you will definitely be back on. But I feel weird even saying that because you're going to be on many times before the second book too. (laughs) I sure hope so. (laughs) So I will put this out to the listeners. If there is a book that you can recommend to Kelly and I to read and review, I'd be open to that. What about you, Kelly? Absolutely. I would love that. That would be so much fun. Yes. So please feel free to DM me or uh, throw it out there on my social media and let me know and I will get Kelly on board with it too. Uh, Just, you know, we love talking about books. Uh, We love books in general. So that would be an awesome thing to do. So please let me know. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off for this episode, and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Finding Myself. If you like what you heard, please leave a review. If you have a question or a suggestion, feel free to email me at findingmyselfpodcast at gmail.com. I also invite you to be part of our Finding Myself community on Facebook. There you will have access to more resources, more suggestions, more information, and the opportunity to be part of discussions. Please meet us back here next time. 